Hey, this is Dr. Cree. I am a board-certified family medicine physician, and I'm the owner of Brownstone Healthcare, where our mission is to take care of the everyday person who's overwhelmed and overworked and looking to live a healthy, happy, and whole life. We have a direct primary care service where you can pay $70 a month to have all access to meet your physician, have discounted labs, and imaging if needed. So you'd pay the $70 a month, no matter if you're insured, underinsured, or have no insurance at all. Call us at 205-202-5650 or go ahead on the roll today at www.brownstonehealthcare.com. Dr. Mark A. Sullivan is a well-respected educator who began his tenure in Birmingham City Schools more than 25 years ago as a fifth grade teacher at, is it Dupuy? Dupuy. Dupuy (laughs) Elementary School, while later serving as a math teacher at Center Street Middle School, recognition of Dr. Sullivan's talent and commitment to student achievement set him on a career path resulting in his appointment to a number of progressively responsible leadership positions. With a move from the classroom to school administration, Dr. Sullivan served as principal of Spalding Elementary School, where he led faculty and staff efforts, resulting in moving the school to academic clear status for the first time. Subsequently, he was tapped to serve as director of Area 3, where he worked with the senior executive director in the supervision of 22 elementary and middle schools. In meeting various district leadership needs, other positions of service have included interim principal of Illiton Elementary School, director of K-8 school operations, Principal of Glen Iris Elementary School, Interim Assistant Superintendent, Principal of John Herbert Phillips Academy International Baccalaureate School, Principal of Ramsey High School International Baccalaureate School, Academic Officer and Chief of Staff. Dr. Sullivan currently serves as Superintendent of Birmingham City Schools. Dr. Sullivan is a native of Birmingham and attended Birmingham City Schools from kindergarten through 12th grade. Graduating from Woodlawn High School, he received a BS degree in elementary education from Alabama A&M University, a master's degree from the Alabama State University, an educational specialist degree from the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and a doctorate degree in educational leadership from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Dr. Sullivan holds membership in a number of professional organizations, including Phi Delta Kappa, the National Association of Black School Educators, and the National Education Association. Dr. Sullivan retired from service to his country with 24 years in the United States Naval Reserves and has served his community through organizations such as Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity, 100 Black Men of Birmingham, and Boy Scouts of Central Alabama. On a personal note, Dr. Sullivan is the proud father of one daughter, Morgan, who serves as his inspiration to pursue and provide the best academic options and opportunities for all scholars. Mr. Superintendent, tell me a joke. So a joke. Let me think about this. What do you call cheese that's not yours? What? Not your cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Um, what do dentists call their x-rays? Do dentists call the x-rays? I don't know. Toothpicks. <laughs> Man, that's you, pretty good. You have you have one of the I love the 
the way this goes when I can read someone's bio and learn so much about them professionally. And then it gives me the opportunity to dig in and ask those personal things, right? I want to know. I want to know if you have siblings. I want to know about your mom and dad, what neighborhood you grew up in, what's elementary and, you know, what church you went to, your pastor. Like, let us know a little more than what's on the bio. Absolutely. So I have, um, I have, I have four. Well, actually, there are four of us at all. So I have three brothers. I have uh, one older brother and two younger brothers. My dad was in the Navy. He passed away in the '90s, and my mom was a school teacher here in Birmingham. She taught for 27 years in the school district at Washington Elementary School. My aunt taught in this school system as well. But that's not just it. I had a uncle who was a custodian, a aunt who worked in the cafeteria. I had a, an aunt who was a cafeteria manager at Riggins Elementary School where I attended school. So I really appreciate all of the employees that we have in our school system. I uh, went to Riggins Elementary, grew up in North Birmingham, a place called Byers Hill. Okay. And, yeah. And so I went to um, I went to Shady Grove Baptist Church. We used to go every Sunday, every Sunday, Shady Grove Baptist Church to Reverend L. J. Rogers. L. J. Rogers. Yes, the Reverend L. J. Rogers. He was a uh, he was a very traditional pastor. You know, okay. uh, it, it was uh, it was I was on the usher board, and every uh, Sunday, well, every other Sunday, the junior usher board, we would go out and. And we would do our thing. So, you know, I love the, the city. I love Birmingham. I love our school system. I see great things that are happening around us. Now, um, what about high school? Were you in the band? Were you the athlete? What was that What was that experience? So it's interesting you say, were you the athlete? So I went to Woodlawn High School. I played football my freshman and sophomore year. And you know how little kids say, I'm going to be a football player. Yeah. Well, I said that until I got hit real <laughs> So, uh, you know, playing freshman football was okay. Playing B-team football was okay. But when you go they out there. started breaking that hat, huh? Yeah. I quickly realized that, you know, I am not going to be a football player. And so I got a job at Food World okay. my 10th grade year. And I said I wanted to get a car. So I got a job at Food World. It was right next to Huffman High School. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's been torn down since, since then. But uh, I worked there. There and I saved money and got a car. And I remember when I went to, to work, the guy said, um, you know, we pay $3.35 an hour. And, you know, I thought that was a lot of money. I was like, so you mean to tell me for every hour that I work, <laughs> I am going to get $3.35? He said, yeah, I tried to work all day. I was, <laughs> on the weekends, I would be there for, for 12 hours. I, I, would like, I was like, yo, call me in. And, and I saved enough money to buy me a 1977 Cutlass Supreme with T-tops. Ooh, couldn't tell you nothing. It was a piece of crap, but I loved it. <laughs> it was yours. <laughs> it was mine. I loved it. I loved it. Um, it's interesting. You just um said something, and I was having a conversation a few days ago. When I was coming up, and I know that I was, you know, in the geek class, but we didn't say we wanted to be athletes like if when when we were coming we're the same age when we were coming up it was nothing to hear people at least in my classes I want to be a doctor I want to be this I want to be that you know I don't remember not one kid that I grew up with that wanted to be an athlete I agree with that I, I think part of that is when we grew up the superstar athlete was not as prominent as as it is now Great. So point. right now you see kid guys like LeBron. I mean, we grew up. It was Michael. It was a uh, uh, Dr. J. But we really saw him as like a figure on that played sports. Yeah. These guys now are multi millionaires, billionaires, and it's and and that kind of flashy lifestyle is really appealing to kids. And I don't think a, a lot of times kids understand how difficult and how few people actually make it to that level. Right. There's a commercial that comes on that says that we have, it was a, it's, a, it's a college, I forget what it is, but it says we have a thousand um, 
or whatever athletes or a thousand graduates. That's that um and they're gonna be SCC. a pro in, yeah, a pro in something. And it's like being a professional doctor, lawyer, whatever. Yeah. Uh so you know, being an athlete is not the only method that you can become a pro. Exactly. I love that commercial. Yeah. Um now after high school, you went on to college. And tell us about that experience. So I went to Alabama A&M, go Bulldogs. All right. And I also joined the Navy Reserve, right? And so when I joined the Navy Reserves, I thought, okay, this is two weeks, uh, well, two weeks a year, uh, one weekend a month. We could do that. And I joined because, you know, my mom and my father, they divorced a long, long time ago. And, you know, we grew up very modest. You know, teachers did not make a lot of money at the time. And so... I joined the Navy to help pay for college, and so I went off to Alabama a and I don't think I, at, when I first went there, I wasn't a, as studious as I should have been. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, I, you know, I could do the work, but I wasn't, you know, you had to be disciplined when you, mm-hmm. when you go off by yourself, because, you know, once we get out into the world and you leave your mom at home, you want to, you know, see the world, as they say. And I remember in uh, 1990, I got a call from my reserve center, and so the reserve center called and they said, hey. This is the reserve center. You've been activated for Desert Storm. So I'm like, wait a minute. This is a job. That's supposed to be like two weekends. <laughs> two weeks a year. You know, one weekend a month. What are you talking about? So at first I thought it was one of my friends playing, so I hung the phone up. And uh, the guy called back, and he said, hey, this is the reserve center. So I hung up again. I said, stop playing on the phone. <laughs> so the guy called and said, listen, you call the reserve center. So he hung up, and then I called the reserve center. He said, it's me. And so I got <laughs> activated. So I got activated. Um, and instead of going over to Afghanistan, which some of yeah, Afghanistan, instead of going over to Iraq, which some of the guys in our unit did, I went to backfield the Naval Hospital in Jacksonville, North Carolina, uh, in uh, Camp Lejeune. And we were there for 10 months. And one of the things I noticed, one of the jobs that I had, as because I was a corpsman, so that's like a medic in the, uh, in the Navy, but uh, in the Marine Corps, but they call them corpsmen. So I was a corpsman, and so one of the jobs that I had was to ride the ambulance for the guys who were coming back from Iraq. You know, if you can recall, they were burning oil wells and all this, and these guys had all kinds of respiratory issues coming back. And so we would go to the to the airport. We would pick them up, pick them up, and bring them back on the ambulance. And so I would be back in the back of the ambulance, having a conversation with these guys. And one of the things that these guys kept saying, you know, you know, why you join the Navy? Why you join the Marine Corps? Because all these guys are Marine Corps, Marine Corps guys. And to a person, they would always say to have money for college. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? I was sitting up here playing around in college, and these guys are literally putting their lives on the line for something that I was not taking seriously. And when I got back, I was gone for 10 months. When I got back, I don't think I ever made anything less than a B in college after that because I became extremely serious about completing my my education. Let me take a time out. I hate to do this. No. Hold hold your train of Mm -hmm. thought, okay? What's your first favorite or fondest memory of of me? My first favorite? Favorite or fondest memory is probably waking up on Christmas morning and seeing a bicycle. We we had get some choppers. I don't know if you remember those old choppers, and you know running outside and everybody, which is different than what we have now. Everybody was outside. They were skating, riding bikes. The whole neighborhood kids were everywhere, and you know I don't think. Kids really experience that anymore because everybody's inside playing games. But when you wake up on Christmas morning and you run outside with your new toy, your bicycle, or your football, or your skates, and every kid in the neighborhood is out there, that's that's like that's, that's a like, great memory. Yeah. But I said of me, of you, and and let me let me answer it. We were stationed in Bessemer together. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Did, did you did you retire? No, I didn't. I as a matter of fact. You know, I got a few connections, and <laughs> you know, I wasn't feeling getting squared away one weekend so, a month. So you, you know, you know what I'm thinking about. Like, you know, hey, I know I, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then when they called me for the reserve center, I was like, okay, now this is not what I signed up for. And, but, the, and the crazy thing was, I got I got separated right before all that happened. Really? I was like, whoa, yeah. 
Yeah. And so it happened twice. So I got activated twice. I got activated then, and I got activated in 2003. And so I, I would say that George Bush and his son, his dad cannot go to war without me. <laughs> <laughs> they need me. But, but, but now, at, going back to um, A&M, mm-hmm. you pledged? In, no, I, in undergrad, or I played I played grad chapter. Okay. When I got back, I was like I was like focused. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I yeah. Got, I, yeah, I was focused when I got back from uh, from being activated. And know? so then you went into um, the field, and did you pretty much always knew you wanted to be a teacher? You actually no, no. So I actually went to A and M. I wanted to be a dentist. My so really, yeah. So uh, it's funny. That's why you, that joke you, you told. Before I wanted, to, I wanted to be a dentist, um, Marsha Williams has a dental practice here in North Birmingham. I think he's getting ready to retire this year, or he's already retired. But anyway, he grew up next door to me when I was a young child, and I would see him coming back from Mahara, and I was just really enamored with him, and I wanted to be a dentist. I mean, we he was right there in our neighborhood. And, um, and so I went off to, to A&M. I was going to major in biology, and then I was going to transfer to Mahara, and I was going to be a dentist. But when I got activated, I said, okay, what I'll do is, uh, you know, my mom's a teacher. I had all this education when I was growing up. I, I would always do my mom's bulletin boards because I could draw really well. And uh, when I got back, I said, well, I'll go ahead and get my degree in education, and then I'll go back and, and do the dental, you know, go to dental school. And when I started teaching, I started off as a substitute teacher, actually, at North Roebuck. I, was, uh, I taught fourth grade, and a, pair, a, a teacher left on maternity leave, and I finished a year out in the class. And I absolutely loved it. You know, I, you know seeing how you can truly make a difference in the lives of children it is it, it's powerful. And it, it's a gift that you're given, yeah. you know, the opportunity to work with children. And you cannot take that gift for granted. I and think you've had two gifts because mm-hmm. I truly believe in the countenance of teaching mm-hmm. is a God-given gift. I, th- I think that God prepares people yep. to deal and raise children because I ain't the one. <laughs> <laughs> And then second, I believe that God puts the gift of healing in, in people, people who, um, you know, nurses, doctors, yeah. corpsmen, et cetera. And so, um, you know, it just seems like God has hand, had his hands on you. Well, you, you, you're right. It, it's, you know, you, when you are in service fields, and that's what we are, we're servants, uh, you see a lot of things. And if, you don't, if you're not grounded in the work, you mm-hmm. can burn out very easily. That's because, right. I, you know, I, I had a conversation with uh, some of the teachers uh, over the past couple of days, and I said, you know, some of our students come from some really difficult circumstances. Um, their lives on a daily basis is probably, on our worst day, is probably their every day. Yeah. And so we have to really be cognizant of how we create environments where kids can be successful, they can thrive, they can be independent, they can be... Oh, look at Alabama. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Is this why I say roll tide? Roll tide, roll. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. But uh, just, just on their worst day is sometimes the, the reality that many of our students deal with every day. And we just really have to be cognizant of how we support them and how we po- provide them and empower them to be successful. So it's it's... It's a calling, man. It really is. It really is. Um, and I apologize again. Um, you've answered one of the questions, and that is, if you could go back in time, what age would you choose and what age? Advice would you give yourself? We know about it would be to going into college, <laughs> <laughs> but since you since you you got to pick another one, pick another. Take us to another crossroad in your life and, and the decision. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, you're right. I, I would probably, I think if I could go back, it would probably be at the beginning of high school. Mm. Because I don't think, if I look back on it, I think I could have been involved in a lot more things if I had, um, you know, the, 
you know, I was kind of shy going in high school, and just okay. the courage and the, the just self confidence to make sure to to be involved in a lot of things. I think going back, you know, you, in high school, you, you always think that you're the center of attention. Everybody's looking at you and wanting to look at this certain way. And I think that um, you know, if I had, uh, if I could go back, it'd probably be being around 14 years old, going into Woodland High School, and uh, really, 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 really maximizing the high school experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't have played football and got <laughs> No, they still wouldn't play football. <laughs> got, yeah. Now last season, I had a question for everybody and I hadn't been answer, asking it lately, but I think oh. it so applies for you. Okay. Um and, and, and before I ask this question, I want you to know you're the first superintendent that I was for. Wow. I was against all them motherfuckers. Do you hear me? Everybody. All of everybody. But I ended up loving them all, right? But you're the first one because I was like, Birmingham boy, Birmingham bred. Birmingham, he know Birmingham through and through. And to see you go through our school system and lead it, I thought was the right thing. And so anyway... What makes you so Birmingham? That's the question. <laughs> what makes you so Birmingham? I guess I because I know where Green Acres is. <laughs> <laughs> That's Is a good one. <laughs> I know where Isley Seafood is. Yeah, you know where the, where the trap spots are. But I, I, I think part of it is it's just understanding the history of the city, you know, and understanding that you know we as a people in this city, we've had some really tough situations, but we were able to overcome, and we were able to um, to really, really be successful despite some conditions. And I think now we have a group of students who, that's not their reality, because literally, I mean, your mom, my mom, my mom grew up in segregated schools in this city, you right. know what I mean? When I first started off in school, you know, Birmingham was still segregated early on. Right. And so. Uh, and I, we, and at that time, as kids, we didn't really realize had no it. clue. But we were the ones that really went through that. Yeah, we had no clue. And and, and during the generation, uh, you and I, gener uh, our generation, they were, we, Birmingham City Schools were literally busing kids from the western side of town to Huffman and, and Bay, all these schools on the eastern side of town. Um, and so you're right, we, we were you know, oblivious to it. But so our kids now don't have that reality, but they have something else that is you know, troubling for me is that there is a level of violence that we see in our communities among our young people that is unprecedented. You know? and, it is, um, and, and when you talk to students and students who, who make bad decisions and make bad choices, those students are not what you would think they are. They're not, right. I mean, they're not, I mean, they're, they, they have, they make rational reason decisions. And what it leaves you with is what are we as adults, what are we pouring in our, pouring into our children that one can move them to a more positive outcomes and making positive decisions? Or what are we not doing that leads them to their own devices to make choices that are not good? You know, and I think that we have to, as adults, analyze how we work with our students, how we work with our children, so that, that we can have a, another successful group of African-American boys, African-American girls, Latino boys, Latino girls, who can be successful in this city, just like, you know, we were afforded opportunities, despite the fact that we had some, you know, difficult circumstances that we didn't know anything about. Man, this thunder <laughs> is cutting up. I wonder if you can hear this. <laughs> you, can like, probably, you can probably hear it on your bike. Yeah, gracious. Guys, it is raining. <laughs> <laughs> well, look here. Um, before we take a little break, if you could have a superpower, uh, any superpower, what would you choose and why? So I grew up loving the X-Men. My man. <laughs> yes, sir. I would be Magneto. <laughs> oh, you go villain style on uh, yeah, us. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just like Magneto. I just like that power of moving uh, metal objects with your mind. He, he was, he, and he could fly, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a pretty cool. Well, um... We're going to take a quick second, and when we get back, let's talk about our schools. Absolutely. I'm Greg Ramsey, a board-certified family nurse practitioner and owner of Premier Healthcare Solutions, 
At Premier, we provide a full-scale primary care and preventative health care services across the lifespan for adult men and women in a concierge fashion. We pride ourselves on transparency and unlimited access to our patients without the hassle of long wait times and hasty visits. Think of us as having your own medical provider on speed dial for any of your health care needs. For more information regarding our practice, please call 205-502-7241 or book an appointment online at premierhealth-care.com. What is your favorite charity? So uh, I would say my favorite charity now is the Birmingham Promise. Okay, okay. I think that it, it, this, uh, it has the ability to transform lives of students. And let me give you a, a couple of examples. So um, there is a student, Destiny Miles, right? She was featured on television, but she's a graduate of Woodlawn High School. She graduated from high school two years ago. She's 19 years old, and she just graduated from UAB. I saw that. Yeah. So she 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 took part of our took part in our early college program, which is at Woodlawn. So she earned college credits while she was in high school. And it's really funny um, to listen to kids. I have a student advisory, and we have some students who are part of the early college program on there. And one of the kids says, "You know, I." I'm able because we send we, we provide transportation we we pay the tuition we provide books we provide tutoring, and so she says I'm able to leave school go to UAB walk to campus go into class with adults you know and I and, and interact with adults, but when I come back to high school I have to raise my hand and ask to go to the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> And I was Best like, you choice. Know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. That's, uh, we, you know, you are an adult everywhere else, yeah. and you can make decisions independent. But when you come back to school, you have to raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> you just left, you know, campus. But yeah, the Birmingham Promise changed their lives. So Destiny is one, and then we have a student. Um, her last name is Peoples, and uh, so she just graduated this summer in our dropout and recovery program. It is a program for students. Because of life circumstances, they drop out of school. And so she finished her high school, got her high school diploma, and she wants to be a nurse's aide. And so her story is so compelling. She lost both her mom and her dad within a year of each other. Mm. Uh, They got sick and they passed away. And she had to drop out of high school to raise, to help raise and pay bills for her younger sister who was 15 years old. And so she went back to the um, she went back to high school through the Birmingham I mean through uh, our dropout recovery program, and we are working with the Promise to try to make sure that that dream of hers to be a nurse's assistant comes true. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing that charity should do. That's the kind of transformative stuff that they should do. It really can change the lives of students and change it not just for them, but generationally. What does a college degree do for you and your children and your children's children? Or, you know, a two-year degree for your children and your children's children. So, you know, you know that's that's one of my f- favorite charities right now. Well, you're going to make a donation <laughs> to them if you don't answer one of these questions, okay. but they're easy. All right. Of course, we go with the most important questions first. Alabama or Auburn? Uh, Alabama. Roll Tide. <laughs> Birmingham. A and M. Alabama A and M. Well, I was going. I was going to do A and M State later, but we, you, here again, you taking the lead. So um, let's do it official. Alabama State or A and M? A and M Bulldogs. All the way. All the way. Birmingham Legion or Birmingham Stallion. Birmingham Stallions. I was. I remember uh, Joe Cribs playing for the Stallions back in the '80s and watching the Birmingham Stallions play. So I've always. Yeah. Been, I love the Stallions. The Birmingham Barons or the Birmingham Squadron. Squadron. Okay. Squadron. Squadron. Civil Rights Institute or Negro League Museum. Civil Rights Institute. <laughs> we got so much going on with this. <laughs> With this technical stuff today. All right. Um, you said Civil Rights Institute? Yeah, one of our okay. former, one of our teachers, Parker High School, you had him on a little while ago. He's He works over there. You know him well. Yes, sir. Yeah, he's a great guy. 
Um, Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Vulcan Park. Okay. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? McWayne Science Center. All right. As a child, I went to the zoo so much. I... <laughs> <laughs> McWayne Science Center. Crossplex or Legion Field? Legion Field, the historic Legion Field, and listening to all of those old Alabama games. Amen. <laughs> Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, I got you. Uh, Probably Legacy Arena. I'm just thinking about it. It has air conditioning. <laughs> Prince or Michael Jackson? Prince, man. Prince, Prince. All I right. love Prince. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Railroad Park. Regents Park or Rickwood Field? Rickwood Field. Classics. Biggie or Tupac? So that is a good one, Biggie or Tupac. So it depends on the song, but I would say generally Tupac. All right. Now, who do you think is the greatest rapper of all time? Rakim. Rakim? Yeah. You went old school. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, the lyricist. Man, he, when we were kids and yeah. we heard him, it was like, what, what? what is it, that? It, it was so different. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you would listen to one type of rap, and then he came along and just the style and the, yeah. the skill. I mean, he was like a lyricist. Yeah, know? yeah, that's some good stuff. Um, what's your zodiac sign? Leo. Now, what what are the attributes of a Leo? Leader. Okay, okay. <laughs> Leo the lion. And your favorite color? Blue. Do you cook? No. I no. grill. I grill. Oh, you're a grill master. Yeah. Okay. Not a master, but a griller. <laughs> but, but you get it done. <laughs> yeah. Your favorite NBA team? So, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. When I was younger, I used to follow teams, and it seems like with free agency, you start following players. So when I was younger, I was a huge 76ers fan. Okay. And, you know, I like Dr. J. I like the 76ers. I like – and then Charles Barkley was going to the 76ers. I was like crazy. I was like, I, just, I love Barkley and the 76ers. And then when Barkley left the 76ers, it's really when I started said, okay, I'm going to follow this player. So I followed uh-huh. him to Phoenix – Phoenix was my team for a little while. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of follow players now instead of teams. It's And I say this all the time, and I'm sure it applies with you in in, in your teaching and in, in how many students you touch. Like, I know so many people who got kids in the league now. Mm-hmm. Or they went to school. I've been following them forever. So, like... I kind of look at sports differently yeah, now. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Like you said, I'm yeah. following kids and, you know, Alabama graduates and people yes. with Birmingham ties. So I kind of watch sports differently. Now, I will say when it comes to the NFL, I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> How about them Cowboys? Yeah, That's what was Cowboys coming fan. up next. <laughs> I am a Cowboys fan. Now, with those other leagues, I follow players, but, yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan. My man. <laughs> now, give me your favorite Scripture, Bible figure, or Bible story? So probably probably the story of Exodus, right? So you have Moses who is a flawed man, right? And he is selected by God to lead his people out of the promised land, lead the people to the promised land. But, you know, he didn't go, he didn't go over, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times people um, make think that religion or religious people have to be perfect. Yeah. And if you look at the Bible, God selected so many imperfect people to do perfect things, you know? And so we have to be cognizant that you don't know, because somebody has done whatever in the past or done this, nobody should be judged based on their worst day or the worst the worst thing that they've ever done. And if you look at those stories, you see that those in the Bible, you see time after time of people who have done certain things. Like if you look at the, the, the disciples of Jesus, they, they came from all kinds of backgrounds, you know. And even doubting Thomas, did you know, he you're with Jesus, and you're still doubting the fact that he rose on the third day. So, I think you know that that, that story of Exodus is very powerful. Because anybody can made be the me, one. There is hope for me yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, imperfect people try to do perfect things. One last question: iPhone or Android? So I have 
two iPhones. But <laughs> I actually, I actually am an Android person, and it took me forever to move to the iPhone. World. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, but but, but I, as long as you're here now, that's yeah, all it counts. But now I, you know, now I can't do anything. I can't. I can't go do anything without it now. <laughs> I have two of them. <laughs> now, um, I want to start off with something you can't do anything about. Gotcha. I just want to say it out loud. Our teachers talk like shit. What do you mean? They speak Ebonics. Mm. They teach our kids. Our kids are, you can't do nothing about that, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Teaching schools, A&M, Alabama State, uh, Auburn, Alabama, everybody. We need to work on our diction. Diction is extremely important. Yeah. So I would say this. uh, We have some really great teachers in in the school system. So um, what I see are teachers who really do their very best, and and they uh, we're seeing some really improve a lot of improvements in the school system. So. I haven't seen that, uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll pay more attention when I go into those I, classrooms. <laughs> I I don't want you to pay more attention to it. This that was a message to them. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what's going on. For, first and foremost, school starts next week. Starts Thank Monday. you so much for coming. I, it was you know I've been trying to get you here, and I wanted to be a part of your effort to have kids at school ready to go day one. And in addition to that, tell us what we need to know, not just the parents, but the communities around our schools. How can we better help our teachers and principals and administrators? So let let, let me talk about next week. So next week we start school, Monday, August the 7th. And, um, I think it's important for us to recognize why is it, why students need to be in school every day. Uh, we only have in the state of Alabama 180 days on a school day, school year. So when somebody says a school year, you, you're thinking that you know it's got to be more than that. But it's only 180 days. Mm-hmm. You back out like your winter holiday program. You back out your honor roll programs. You back out testing and all of these days that that kids are probably not getting the same level of instruction that they would if you didn't. So it's important for kids to be in school. If you look at most industrialized countries, they have well over 200 days of instruction. They don't, I mean, a summer break, that's not that's not right. heard of in some other countries. Right. Our children are going to have to compete because the world is getting closer and closer together. I mean, with the internet and with, you know, we're, our children are going to have to compete with students, children from other countries. So if I'm in a country that has 100, 220 days of instruction, that equates over a 12 year period to like two extra years of being in school. Wow. Now what is, and then that's you a want, heck of a way to look at that. Yeah, and then you wonder why students are outperforming us in math and science because they're in school more often. And so if you're Nick Saban and somebody said, Nick, I'm going to give you 15 extra days of, of uh, practice. Nobody else gets this. No other team gets this. He'd jump all over it. Right. And so we really have to make sure that we ensure that our students are in school every day. Because what the data shows us is that when they're with us, they learn. When they're not with us, oftentimes they're not engaged in active um, learning, active activities which help you know the kids uh, to make up some of their learning loss and so we um, so we want all of our students to be in school on day one I would say right now the most pressing thing that the community that people can do to help is uh, we are facing the Alabama Literacy Act right mm-hmm. so this year's sec well this year's third graders uh, who were second graders last year if those students are not reading on grade level, by the end of third grade, and they don't meet one of those exceptions, those students have to be retained. Now, um, these are the same children who two years ago, during the pandemic, they were in kindergarten. And those kids in kindergarten, it was it, we shut down because of the pandemic. You mm-hmm. know, many, they were virtual for most of the, many of, most of the year. Then when they came back, they were mask wearing. So if you're trying to learn to read, 
and you're trying to listen to letter sounds, you have to see how those sounds are formulated right. with the mouth, but it's very difficult to do that with a, with a mask on. And so now those children have to be on grade level. So we did a practice test, a state provider test uh, for our second graders, and we got 749 students who are not reading on grade level, uh, second graders going to third grade. Oh, my word. Just based on that one assessment. Yeah. So what we did was we had summer camps this summer, and we had over 6,000 students in summer camp. We have 21,000 students. That's that's what, what is that, that almost, not half, but it's pretty close, about pretty a third close. of our students in school when they didn't have to be. So we ran all these camps. If the community wants help, I think that is one of the areas where we can really push in is how do we support third grade literacy? You know, we have a program through the, the mayor's office called Page Pals, you know, where volunteers can come in and read to students because kids need to hear people read they need people to hear them read mm-hmm. you know oftentimes students don't have books at home so we're providing books for the home at home libraries for students and then we're working with parents around how do you what do you look for when you're listening to your child read you know how do you ask your children questions that probe them and you you get a, a sense of whether they comprehended what they read let me ask you a question if you don't mind unfortunately i'm a pessimist are you now? <laughs> <laughs> I know that shocks everybody. I'm a realist. <laughs> what? An optimist. Well, what does that look like? Let's let's say let's say you get it down to 500 or, or something. But that's a lot of kids. What does that look like in the future? What You know what I mean? It's like, devastating. So, so like I said, I've been in education for a long time and we've you know, we, there's a lot of research out there around students. And there's some research that says that if you fail a class, fail a grade level, it affects whether you are more likely to be a high school dropout, right? So, Direct correlation. Yeah. And so what is unfortunate, in my opinion, is that there's a system in place within our state which penalizes you know, eight, seven and eight-year-olds because they're not reading according to this one assessment, and there's a lot of research about how biased assessments are. One assessment, and they're penalized at the at these very young ages. And oftentimes they don't see failing a child at these young ages, how that affects them when they get in high school and you're older than everybody else and then all of the other stuff that goes along with your self-esteem being told that you are a failure. So... Our goal, what I, what I would have hoped is that the state would identify students who are reading below grade level, put interventions in place all the way up until they get caught up because kids learn at different rates. Yeah, some may catch it. Exactly. Fourth grade, fifth grade, exactly. some may not catch it to sixth. It's, yeah. like, it's like multiplication. I remember when I was younger and I was trying to learn multiplication and I just could not figure that out for anything. And all of a sudden it just clicked. It's like it just clicked what was going on, the, you know, what this this multiplication. And my teacher had a ruler in her hand, and she would slap me on my head. <laughs> That's when so, real teachers. Yeah. So I just learned to memorize what the multiplication facts were without having the conceptual understanding of three times three is equal to three, three. You know? Well, let me, ask, <laughs> let me ask you this, Mr. Top Teacher. Uh-uh. When is the last time you used the Pythagorean theorem? Uh, probably in high school. <laughs> exactly. So I'm just saying we might need to teach them something other than the Pythagorean theorem because I still ain't used it. And Miss Marchick told me I would need it. Uh, she probably meant need it for the test. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. But we got some great you things. You said. But before I let you move on, you said devastating, and it really took me aback. Mm-hmm. You know, like of all of the words that you could have chosen, you said devastating. And I just hear again, I hear you saying participate in reading programs, encourage our kids to read. What else? I mean, you know, everybody is 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 
hoping and, and praying for the best. You know we what I'm saying? Put, but we got to put we got some, the work. We got to put the work in. So, yes. So it's not hoping and praying. It, it is. It is. Although praying is is important. It's very important. Absolutely. But what I would say is this: um, the the relationship and the skills that your teacher brings to the classroom is is the first thing. You know, you need to have what we call it tiers of level, tiered levels of instruction. Okay. So tier one instruction is the instruction that everybody gets, and it's on grade level. And then you work your way from tier one. So it, making sure that the tier one instruction in the classroom is one on grade level and that you also have tier two instruction is like if when I teach you, if I'm teaching a, a particular standard and I teach it to the whole class, now everybody, like I said, learns differently. And there are going to be some students that you need to move to a tier two instruction. That means that I teach everybody. Most students get it. But if if you don't get it, what I need to do is pull you to the side of a small group, and then I give you tier two instruction, right? And then tier three instruction is for those students who may have a disability that need some additional supports. So making sure we have tier one instruction with teachers who have been trained in the science of reading, which we have the majority of our elementary teachers have been trained in the science of reading over the last few years. That's the key. But for the student, you can give all the technical support that you can. But if you're when you go home, if there's not an appreciation from reading, if your parents don't read, if your parents don't, you know, I would come home, my mom would read the newspaper, my grandfather would you say reading the newspaper, um, and reading books, and so you have to have people around kids and let them know that what they're learning in school, like their kids may think reading is like the Pythagorean theorem that I've never <laughs> learned, I've never needed. And so because when I go home, I don't see anybody doing it. Mm-hmm. And so they need to see more adults doing it so that you can get that interest of the students so they would have a love and a joy for reading. And we can give them the skills that they need, what the letter sounds are, how to learn, how to comprehend, how to annotate a paragraph so that you can know the key ideas. But you have to have this want for knowledge. And I think with caring adults around children, letting them know, hey, this is important, and breaking some of those stereotypes, particularly among our African-American boys, that somehow being intellectual is a sign that is that you are somehow, you know, less than. Right. And, you know, being this other stereotypical person is what black malehood is. And I think, you know, in making sure that our kids are able to see People like you, like me, like him, who are reading and who are, you know, uh, speaking, you know, support and knowledge into these young brothers. Do we have enough teachers? So I don't think anybody in the nation has enough teachers. Uh, There is a national teacher shortage. In fact, the state of Alabama raised the teacher salary matrix last year to try to recruit more teachers. But as we raise, Georgia raises, Florida raises, Mississippi raises. So, you know, when I graduated from Alabama A&M, we had about 200 people who majored in education, about 200 people. I went there maybe, I want to say, before the pandemic, like in 19, on a recruiting trip, we had 20 people in the whole school of education. So there's not a lot of people going into education. So you having people who are teaching now who have alternative certifications, they may have majored in journalism, now they're teaching English, or they may have majored in accounting and they're teaching math. And so they may have the knowledge base that's needed for the content, what we have to do is support those teachers and give them the pedagogy, which is the how you teach. Mm-hmm. How do kids learn? How do you, you know, when, you, when you're teaching math with young children, you need to have manipulatives. You need to understand that you can't have kids sitting for a lesson for an hour. You have to break it up into small chunks. You need mm-hmm. to understand, you know, some kids have, they're visual learners. Some kids are auditory learners. Some kids, you know, they're kinetic learners. They have to get up and move around. And so that's not something you just know. You have to be taught that you have to be cognizant that kids learn differently. And sometimes when kids are not successful, it's not because they don't know. It's because you're not teaching to their particular learning style. And if you teach to their learning style, they will they will show you what they can do. I'm yeah. one of those people yeah. that... Got to um, do something. Got to have something in your hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, if I'm helping a kid do homework i talk louder <laughs> and slower you know? the problem is not that i can't hear you <laughs> so um bring us on home two things um some some pardon shots and some lasting notes that we need to take with us 
So I would say that the Birmingham school system is strong. You know, we have a strong fund balance, uh, very strong fund balance. I think we're going to end the year with a five months fund balance. And I'm I, glad you said that because I forgot to ask, yeah. did y'all have some money? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we are going to end the year with a five month fund balance. Uh, we, If you can recall a few years ago when the state came in and took over, we didn't even have didn't a have one, one month fund, fund balance. So we have five month fund balance. The state requires only to have one month fund balance. So we financially, we are very solid. Um, academically, last year in our reading scores, we had about 11-point increase in reading. That was like the highest increase in the state. Now, Congratulations. We yeah, but we started low. We started low. But you have to, you know, the, 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 with a journey of a 1,000 miles starts with a one single step. step. So, uh, and so this year we are looking at probably a one to two increase in reading. So that's over the last two years about 13%. We saw a slight decrease in our third grade, three points, and our second grade. And, and remember, these are the kids that who were, were in kindergarten and first grade during the, yeah, during the pandemic. Yeah. That's right. So we have to be real intentional about how we support them. And then this year, we're looking at about a six-point increase in math. And math scores coming out of the pandemic were horrible. You know, mm. we thought that the reading was going to be really effective, but it's, it was really the math. And mm. so the math, so our math scores, we ticked up about six percentage points this year. So, you know, typically a school system sees about a 3% increase if you're doing everything right. And we saw 6% last year, 11, 6% this year in math and 11% last year in reading and about a 2% in reading this year. So... The academically, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, our facilities, you know, we're building a new stadium over at Woodlawn. We're expanding uh, the work that we're doing at um, Huffman Academy. We put a new gym out there. Uh, we uh, hired um, two Give con- more money to Ramsey. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's funny you should mention that because we're looking at doing some uh, some renovations over there. You know, it, you know, I used to be principal over there, so you got you got the uh, the the fine arts wing which was renovated, and you got the science wing that was renovated, and you got the gym that's over there, and then you got the 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 old building in the middle. And so we want to do some work over in the old building in the middle. Shout uh, out to Carolyn Walker. Yeah, she's 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 phenomenal. And uh, so, you know, our facilities are moving in the right direction. We just, we got this curbside appeal. And so one of the things that when I was a principal, you know, I I believed in making sure the building was clean because I think that if you have a clean, organized building, kids learn better with structure and organization. And so we are, we've hired two companies to come and do not just grass cutting, but also trimming of the trees, making sure we put mulch down. Uh, so you'll see our buildings looking better. And we've taken the responsibility of cleaning the buildings from the principal. The principal should be your lead teacher. And so we have our our maintenance people who are managing our custodial staff so that we can have consistency from school to school. Mm-hmm. You know, it shouldn't be dependent good... upon the principal to say what my level of cleanliness is. Right, you know, right. It should be a standard Standards, yeah, across, across the, the board. board that you can replicate from school to school. And that's what we're, that's what we're doing because we used to have principals supervise the custodians. And, you know, I, I went to A&M. I majored in education. I, didn't, I, I don't know which cleaner you, use, you should use. <laughs> right, right. But I know what clean looks like and what I – and one of the things that you know, we're, we're trying to do is standardize that. So, you know, and, you know, we're meeting the needs of all of our learners. So last year we started what we call a newcomer center. It's, a, it's called Empower Academy. What we're finding is that we're having a lot of students who are coming from Central America where students in the past came from Mexico and they were younger and they were in school in Mexico. So now we're seeing a lot of students who are coming in from Honduras, from El Salvador, and a lot of these Central American countries. And those students don't have the same necessarily educational background. So they come in older and they also have the language issue. Mm. And so we started this Empower Academy at Carver High School to work with students who are new to this country so we can provide some more support to them. And this year, we're expanding it to the middle school. Uh, you know, our Latino population in Birmingham went from, a few years ago, 3% of our student population. Today, is 10% of our student population. So we have to be real supportive of all. You know, we are, in Birmingham, a black and brown school district. You know, we have, we're 90% African-American. 10% Latino. And so we have to be unapologetically supporting all students in Birmingham City Schools. You know, whether you, uh, you know, whether you live in this neighborhood, that neighborhood, whether you come from this country or that country, whether you speak this language or not that, uh, speak another language, we have to provide supports for every child that walks in our doors. That's our obligation. That's our calling. I would be remiss 
if I didn't ask this? Are our kids going to be safe this year? So I will say this, um, without going deep into all of the things that we have around school safety, one of the things that I, as superintendent, have made a priority is school safety. Um, we have increased our budget around safety. Safety is multifaceted. You know, mm-hmm. you got cyber safety. So we have cameras in our schools. We, we've uh, retrofitted many of our older schools. I don't know if you've been in some of the schools, the older schools, but we've put storefronts in. So, you know, if you walk into one of our older buildings, you used to be able to walk into the building and have access to the building because some of those mm-hmm. buildings were built in the 50s. So mm-hmm. nobody was thinking about You walk in the door, you right in the middle of the school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some of those schools were built when people, nobody even thought about school shootings and, mm-hmm. and, and, and that. So we had to go back and retrofit like what we call security bubbles where we have, we force people to go into the office or you have to be buzzed in with a badge. Um, and so that process is going on right now. Uh, we have contracted out with a private security company who, another thing that we've taken away from the to schools, teachers should not have to, to, to do checkbook bags and, mm-hmm. and all that and mm-hmm. check people as they go through the metal detector. So we hired a company to do that, and they can do that all day. So if you walk into one of our schools, particularly our high schools, you will have somebody to, to check your bag when you walk in the door. It's kind of like being at the airport. It's unfortunate that we have to be that way, but we do. Yeah. This is this is the environment we live in, and so we also we uh we do like a game of the week every week. But we have a big remote truck. What that pro- remote truck does is it's a security truck. So if there's an issue at one of our schools, and like I said, we have cameras in all of our schools, that truck can pull up, connect to the cameras, and you, you can see from outside everything that's happening in, in the building based oh, on those wow. cameras. And but I'm gonna tell you that what is the key thing oh, that really keeps schools safe is building relationships with students. You, you, you'd you be surprised how many kids will come tell you what is going on in the school and what's going on in the neighborhood that may affect the school if you build a relationship with them. And, you know, you know building out relationships, thinking about the social emotional learning of our students, you know, understanding that our kids sometimes come from a lot of trauma. Yeah. They come from a lot of trauma. And, and that affects how they respond to certain situations. And so if you build a relationship with them, they'll come tell you, hey, you know, I think what's the name is going to be doing. They're going to fight mm-hmm. this afternoon. or this. And, and you're able to prevent a lot of that. And to be honest with you, all of those, um, those like the, the, the buzzers on the doors, the metal detectors, the cameras and all that, we find more issues out based on kids coming and saying something to somebody. See you know, something, say something. something. Yeah, because kids, nobody wants to be in an environment that's not safe. You right. know, but what they don't want to do is they also don't want to be called out. So if they tell you something, you have to keep it confidential because the kids don't want to be seen. You know, that no snitching rule. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything else, sir? Well, I just we're excited about this school year. We got a lot of great things that's going on for our kids. You know, Birmingham City Schools. I don't know if you you've seen our commercials, but success does start here in Birmingham City Schools. We have. I'm going to tell you, over the last two years... I, I like when you started with Roy Wood. Yeah. And the, yeah, the campaign. That's what I'm trying to say, yeah. We have, uh, we have, uh, I mean, we have seen some great improvements in our school district over the last few years. And I think that this year, you know, we, we're, we're, this is going to be, what, three years out of the pandemic, two years out of the pandemic. You know, we the first year I was, the first two years I was superintendent, it was really, you know, managing the pandemic, managing the pandemic. Then last, uh, the year after the pandemic, it was addressing learning loss, trying to get kids caught up. Now we got to accelerate kids. You know, we got to get kids accelerated. You know, we got kids, we have to make sure that, you know, students are prepared for life. And they are prepared for college. If they want to be in, go to college, they can do that. If they want to join the military like we did, they can do that. If they want to go into the workforce, they can do that. We just have to make sure they're prepared for that. You know, we're getting back to some sense of normalcy, you know. And so that's why it's important for kids to be in school every day because they're going to miss something. Well, man, um, it's important to – I don't know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> but I just – Having a black man at the helm of our schools makes me proud. I'm proud of you. I love you. I pray for you. I want the best for you and for our children. And um, if you ever have anything 
or you just want to come rap a little bit, man, the door is always open. Listen, I appreciate it, man. I've known you for a very long time. <laughs> it, what did you? What, what was your rank in uh, when you retired and when you got e, out? E four. E four. Yeah. Corman. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, where'd you go to core school? I went to Balboa in San Diego. What year were you out there? Eighty nine. 90, something something like that. That's where I, So I went to boot camp in Great Lakes. And then right. I, I went to core school in San Diego, and they had a core school in Great Lakes. So they flew me all the way across Are the you country. serious? Yeah, you know, because they had core school in San Diego yeah, in yeah, Great yeah. Lakes. So they had one in, in Great Lakes and one in San Diego, and they flew me to Balboa Naval Hospital, and I did my uh, I did my uh, core school in Balboa. Man, was that not awesome? I loved it. I and loved going it. over to um, Tijuana on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Coronara Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Beach. Yeah, it was – Yeah, that, it, and that was before all of the Crips and Blood stuff. So it was really, it was really nice. It was just happening. happening. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was just happening. Because yeah. I remember, like, people back home were like, you seen any any gangs? Yeah. And we were like, no. San Diego, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a ball, man. I want to thank the superintendent for joining us. I want to thank you all for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to Creed 63. Urban Ham News and UrbanHam.com. God bless. Hello, I am Dr. Brandy Bowling, your triple board certified pediatrician, adult psychiatrist, and child and adolescent psychiatrist. I am also an ADHD expert, a mommy friend, a school liaison, author of the best-selling book, Shine, Understanding ADHD So Your Child Can Be a Star, and host of the Facebook live stream, Focus on it Friday. You can find me at Dr. Brandy B. That's D-R-B-R-A-N-D-I-B on all social media platforms. Or you can call my office, which is 205-948-7129. It is my goal that all children and adults will be successful and that they will shine in the classroom and in life. This podcast has been brought to you by Jefferson County Sheriff's Office.